Welcome to Living With, a podcast by Health Union that explores what it's like to live with a chronic health condition. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. When you're living with a chronic condition, it impacts every area of your life, including your work life. Some conditions make working nearly impossible. Other people living with chronic conditions want to work, but have difficulties finding the right employer. I spoke with several of the contributors to health union communities to get their perspectives and learn from their experiences on how they manage living with a chronic condition and working. First up is Jed Finley. Jed is a special education teacher, a full-time job that demands a lot of energy and focus. And he also lives with ankylosing spondylitis, a chronic progressive inflammatory arthritis that affects the joints, particularly those in the spine and sacroiliac joints. Ankylosing spondylitis, or AS, causes significant pain and fatigue. And I asked Jed about how he manages living with AS and his job. Well, um, when I started off in special education, I was working in an autism center, which was a lot of, I don't say high impact, but for lack of a better word, it was very active. And uh, because, you know, it's a lot of playing, it's a lot of getting down on the floor, it's a lot of, uh, you know, lifting kids up and, you know, going to the bathrooms and whatnot. Um, So uh, last year, about a year ago, um, I, it got a little much for me and I had to talk to some people and say, look, I cannot get on the floor anymore. you know, for a while, you know, for many years, I was just, I was able to sit at a table, do academics, you know, work on their spelling and their writing and whatnot. But um, we had a new batch of kids that just needed a lot more physical attention, and then I couldn't keep up. Um, so my school district moved me to a different uh, position where I was, it was a little bit more academic. And that's, you know, that's where I am now. So, you know, I just go to room to room and sit down. Um, but yeah, it's it's not easy, um, but I have a com- a com- accommodations. Excuse me, uh, through the Americans with Disabilities Act, where uh, they provided me with a camping stool, um, because one problem with being in elementary school is very tiny chairs. And at the time, I'm six foot one. Um, <laughs> I say at the time because a lot of people with AS end up shrinking, um, but I'm still six foot one. And so getting in and out of those kindergarten chairs, I literally need like I hold out my arms and ask kids to pull me up. <laughs> <laughs> which they think is a fun game, um, and, they, and they love to do it. But uh, So I have a camping stool, but I also have understanding that I'm not going to restrain children who are in crisis, uh, and I do not have to chase anyone down unless it is a matter of life and death. Um, so, And I've already had to chase down a kid you know, once or twice, you know, in a life or death situation, I can keep up, but it hurts a lot afterwards. Um, so, but my accommodations have helped me out a lot. Uh, so that's kind of one reason why I'm able to keep working. Plus I need my insurance. Um, I think you'll probably find a lot of people with chronic illness who have a lot of pain and, and fatigue and whatnot, keep on working because that health insurance is the most important thing they could ever possibly have. So they can at least continue living life. Jed mentioned the importance of health insurance, a fact that was echoed by many people I spoke to who are balancing work while living with a chronic condition. Jamie Holland, who lives with Crohn's disease and psoriasis, 
shared with me about a time when she had changed jobs and got laid off within six months. So she approached her previous employer about getting her old job back. So my boss took me back, but as a contractor, and I had zero protections as a contractor. They were 90-day contracts with the carrot dangling that I could come back full-time eventually when they offered it. And every 90 days, I would wait for either a contract renewal, which was nerve-wracking, or for a job offer. And then I would be told, in another 90 days, they're going to open your job position. I was working in my old job. They had never sold it in the six months I was gone. So I was doing my old job, but I was getting paid a dollar more without benefit. So that dollar more I was getting was inconstant. It was it didn't matter at that point because I was paying so much for health insurance. I, um, once COBRA ran out from my old job, I picked up a private policy again, and that private policy was a $400 a month premium with a $16,666 deductible. Oh my and it is gosh. what they, yes, it is called a catastrophic plan. They're fine for healthy people, but you know, all it takes is one, health issue to give you a pre-existing condition or get labeled with one, even if it's minor, and that can skyrocket your premiums and diminish what kind of health care you can receive in terms of um, what your policy will pay for. Many chronic conditions are unpredictable and require a lot of personal care to manage the symptoms. Some people, like irritablebowelsyndrome.net contributor Hess Polanco, find that working from home can provide them with the flexibility they need while coping with their conditions. So how has having IBS impacted your work? Oh, man. That has also been a challenge. Um, so obviously, I have written quite a few articles about how IBS can impact my productivity and... Um, to be quite honest, um, I feel like I, I'm i allergic to stress. <laughs> you know, I've never really said that out loud before. Yeah. But the reason why I said that, I say that, is because any ounce, any little itty-bitty ounce of stress tends to exasperate my symptoms for some reason. And I can't help that, you know, biological response. It just happens. Um, and so with that being said, um, my IBS very much gets in the way of, you know, my work, my, my productivity mm-hmm. Mental health is so important to me, and I do try my best to kind of push past the anxiety, the fear, all that, even the physical pain, um, just for the sake of for the sake of saying that I push through. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so, um, I guess when it comes to work, you know, writing these articles or whatever it may be, whether it's even creating, you know, content for social media stuff like that, um, it, it's it's so hard to. F- finish a task in one sitting, you know? Yeah. Um, Because with my IBS, it's almost like, it's hard to stick to a schedule. You know, it's very unpredictable sometimes. I've kind of realized that being flexible is just the way to be. It's just the way to go for me in regards to like keeping my anxiety at ease and and not feeling so pressured to, or feels, you know, to feel obligated to, to, to stick to something or to meet something or something of the sort. I just... I just feel that my IBS is so, again, easily triggered when it comes to stress that I have to make life easy for me. So, like, when it comes to sticking to a, sh- a schedule, 
I will do my best, but I won't feel, I won't allow myself to feel pressured or obligated to stick to it. The unpredictable nature of chronic conditions may also require people to step out of the workforce for a period of time. Carrie Smyers, who writes for Migraine.com, told me chronic migraine forced her to quit full-time work for several years, but her experience with migraine also inspired a new business. So, I mean, there were many years I just couldn't work. Um, I, gosh, I was 25 or 26 when I had to go down to part-time, and then I quit working when I was 27 and didn't work for probably about 10 years. Like I've done some advocacy work over the years and and that's been paid work. And so it's not like I haven't had income, but I haven't really thought of myself as working until like the last year. And I I should add, my husband and I uh, have a company that we co-founded. And so I have been working for the company, but um, until the last year, it's been really intermittent or it's been sort of an advisory kind of thing, or I'll do a project here and there, but it's not, I haven't really... I think I had to hit like a 35 hour a week threshold before I felt like I was working again. And now I'm really wanting to go back down to part time. (laughs) Um, But, but there was some psychological barrier I had that I didn't realize I had until I got up to working full time. Hmm. And explain about your company because it, it was inspired by living with migraine, right? Right. So our company is called Therospecs. We make uh, glasses that have a special tint that help with migraine and other conditions that are triggered or exacerbated by light. It sounds like it would be really rewarding to be able to help others who are living with the same condition as you through through your work. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. You get these amazing letters from people or emails from people. The one that always stands out to me, we got on New Year's morning, probably going to cry when I tell you about it, um, from a man who had had chronic migraine for 20 years, had never ha- had not had a migraine-free day for 20 years. He'd started wearing Therospecs two weeks before and had been migraine-free. Oh, wow. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's not a typical story. People have, I don't, I don't want to say, oh my gosh, our product is amazing. It's going to cure everyone. We never say that. Um, but, um, but we have some amazing stories that uh, it's super rewarding. And since this is yours and your husband's company, does that give you flexibility? So if you do have a migraine attack, can you, you know, change your work schedule or change your work duties? For sure. Um, so it's both that it's our company, but it's also the, the company culture that we've built. I'm not the only one with a health condition. Um, and so other people will work from home or have to leave early and, and you know, we're we're flexible because we understand. And um, we think that it's not like we're specifically looking for people with health conditions or not. It's just that, um, that they do tend to have a high level of empathy and we want our, our employees to have a high level of empathy for this, for living with a, a health condition, especially something that's stigmatized like migraine is. Challenging diagnoses and conditions can impact a person's ability to work, but those challenges can also inspire healthy and positive changes in a person's career, such as what happened with Simon Lord, one of our contributors to ProstateCancer.net. 
how has having had prostate cancer affected your career? Um, oh, massively. Totally and massively. Uh, I have uh, trained in the last four years, first of all, as a fitness instructor, then as a personal trainer. Uh, this time last year, I did a course in what we call probably intermediate rehabilitation. And in the spring of this year, I qualified in cancer rehabilitation. Um, and that gives me a, a fascinating perspective. I don't think there are that many men in this country who have been through it before or after their cancer treatment um, uh, to talk to people about how exercise has really helped me um, maintain a very good level of health and how it can help them um, recover from a situation which they may see as being very negative, but can actually, I think, in the longer term, help them improve their health. Because it's a, you know, a, a treatment for cancer is clearly horrible, cliche, but a wake-up call for people to look at their um, current other state of health and maybe make some changes which can really make some long-term impact on their, their future lives. So were you a fitness instructor before? No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I was a, a recruiter, a headhunter. Oh, wow. Um, I spent 20 years doing that. Um, my diagnosis came at a time when a few other things had been going on, and it was sort of time to make a start of change. In fact, for the last six years, I've worked for one of our biggest uh, food retailers, a company called Tesco, um, and I started to become interested in my health and fitness about the same time, actually, as, uh, as my diagnosis. In fact, as part of my recovery program, I, uh, I decided I would train for and run a half marathon, which I did 16 weeks after my surgery. Wow. I had actually done one just before my surgery, so it wasn't a big surprise. I'd been running on and off all my life. Um, and um, uh, so I already knew that fitness could have this really positive impact. Um, and people started sort of saying, well, Simon, you know, you, you're, you're a bit of inspiration to me. You know, you did this, you've done that. And I started realizing that actually that I had a, um, a possibility to, uh, to, to move. And, um, yeah, so in my spare time, such as I've had it, I've um, been studying uh, and I've got this far. And now in the next 12, 18 months, I hope to move out of my role within Tesco and into the fitness industry full time. When chronic conditions are invisible, such as migraine or ankylosing spondylitis, people may experience stigma and a lack of compassion for what they're experiencing. But even those with visible chronic conditions can experience stigma, such as those who are disabled from their conditions. Kelly Mack, who lives with rheumatoid arthritis and uses a wheelchair to get around, talked with me about her experience in the workplace. So many people equate disability with someone not being able to or wanting to work. Have you experienced people making this assumption when they see you in your wheelchair? Most definitely. I've had people, even just strangers, which is kind of strange, ask me, do you work? And, you know, I understand the question because of the assumption that People with disabilities can't or don't want to work. But I also think, you know, I try not to assume things about other people. And so I, you know, I'd rather they just ask me what I do 
and go from there. That's a good point. Have there been any special modifications you've had to make to your work environment or your schedule? Yeah, so I, at different points, needed some adjustments for my work area, and um, that's involved kind of setting things up where I can reach them. It's not been too extensive. Probably the more helpful accommodations I've needed are flexibility in my hours and telework, and that's probably less about my disability than about my health management overall. Um, Well, maybe a little bit my disability because I do have fatigue from my rheumatoid arthritis. So not commuting as much and teleworking, it can be helpful. And the schedule flexibility has been really helpful for um, doctor's appointments, physical therapy, and those kinds of things. How have you negotiated for those? So it's varied with each employer. And it's often been about my relationship with my supervisor. So one thing that is pretty obvious when I come in for an interview is that I have a disability because I use a wheelchair and I have, you know, visible signs of um, mobility impairment, things like that. So when an employer hires me, they, they know that there are going to be things that I'm going to need. And we're usually forthright in talking about those things right when I come in the door um, and accept a position. So the conversation can start early, but it also can start later. For example, I was um, working when a number of years ago, I had a health crisis and I needed to have um, emergency surgery and take some leave from work. So that was a situation where I started having a dialogue with my employer, my supervisor, but also um, his supervisor about um, what I would need for being out uh, to have the surgery and what the recovery was gonna be like and what my return to work was going to look like. And that really, needed to be a dialogue. It needed to be an ongoing discussion because we weren't exactly sure uh, what the recovery would be and, you know, what I could do for work. Um, And so it was really great that I had an employer who was willing to work with me. And I think part of it was I, I felt like a valued employee and, um, you know, that was really important to have that sort of respectful dialogue between us. Yeah, I think I think you made a good point, too, that it needs to be an ongoing dialogue. Yes. Your situation can change, you know, for the better or for the worse, or even temporarily. So uh, I had a recent um, health issue um, a few months ago, and I was able to telework for a couple of weeks while I got it resolved. And, you know, I was really grateful to my employer for that. Um, but I think also it just makes sense for the employer not to lose a valued employee just because they're sick for a couple of weeks. Absolutely. What skills would you say living with RA has taught you that have made you an asset to your employer? I feel really strongly that 
my persistence, um, pushing through challenges, and finding a way to get what seems like an impossible task done, um, thinking creatively about how to do that, but also just persisting through it are hugely beneficial to an employer. You know, I've had to do that ever since I've been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. So I have a lot of experience in problem solving and getting things done that don't seem possible. And I bring that to, to my work. What do you think employers need to know about people with disabilities? I think employers need to know that disability is actually a point of diversity that they want and should embrace. It's a viewpoint, a perspective, a unique asset that people bring to the workplace. Um, And there's all kinds of different disabilities and there's all kinds of different uh, positive assets that come with them. I think a lot of employers may fear Uh, people with disabilities as employees would, you know, bring complications or costs or, you know, need expensive accommodations and modifications. And that's just not the case all the time. In fact, the overwhelming majority of accommodations are either no cost or um, low cost. And so it's really... It's really a fear that gets in the way, but shouldn't. These are great and talented workers, and we don't want to be missing out on having talent in the workforce. As Kelly and others have mentioned, communication with your employer about what you need, as well as reminding them of the value you bring to the company, is critically important. Jamie Holland agreed. Every single person that I have talked to with a chronic illness, inflammatory disease, some kind of affliction that is known at work, they are the hardest working people you will ever meet. If you are living with a chronic condition and want to connect with others who understand the challenges, visit health-union.com to see all our current condition-specific communities. I'd like to thank my guests for this episode. Jed Finley from ankylosingspondylitis.net, Jamie Holland from inflammatorybowelldisease.net and plaquepsoriasis.com, Hess Polanco from irritablebowelsyndrome.net, Carrie Smyers from migraine.com, Simon Lord from prostatecancer.net, and Kelly Mack from rheumatoidarthritis.net. Did this episode resonate with you? I'd love to hear your feedback. You can reach me on Twitter at Emily Downward. Thank you for listening to Living With. I'm Emily Downward.